Years ago in American baseball, they had a team who produced the Flatbush Follies. Everything they touched turned not to gold, but uh, just to brass. And here it comes now, and bang. Well, that's gone straight up in the air. Wall won't drop. There's no way in the world. It's It's only a cramp, it's not pulled or peeled or told the muscle. But everybody's got a big smile on their face. Not with me, they don't. I think it was a very poor performance. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Hello and welcome back to this, The Backhanders, a podcast that previously used to bring you the ins and the outs of that somewhat okay, reasonably watchable game of tennis but now brings you the ins and the outs from the greatest game in the world, that of cricket, test cricket. Oh, and with me, a man who up until about 30 minutes ago thought this was a podcast for tennis. Catters, Catters, welcome to this cricket podcast. Lightning, great to be with you. I am as confused as our listeners about where you're taking this. I got the memo that said we are pivoting to the greatest sport of them all. And all I'll say is I might need to return those 10-pin bowling shoes I purchased (laughs) as part of the research. But I too can pivot barefoot now, you bastard, into the world of cricket. And what a wonderful sport it is. Catters, I mean, it is just glorious to get away from the devil's dirt, Mm. the French Open that's been happening, and wow, the very unpredictableness of (laughs) Iga Svantec and Novak Djokovic winning on the devil's dirt to this, Catters, the real stuff, the stuff of life, ashes, test, cricket. But a question, Catters, why would we be doing this? Why would we move away from the devil's dirt to cricket? Explain, explain to our listeners as you're catching up to our listeners who are trying to catch up. Well, Lightning, how long have you got? Uh, Allow me to roll out this huge physical world map from circa 1580 to show you Mm. the history that is so imbued in the sport of cricket. And to cut a long story short, Lightning, uh, I'll fast forward to the 1800s to then allow our listeners to fast forward the next five minutes of this podcast, where I need to explain a little bit about the history of British colonialism. It's a dark chapter of our world's past lightning. Uh, They didn't do a lot of things right, but the one thing they did was conjure together six sticks, push them into the ground, found another two sticks, found a stick that they then rounded into a ball, and proceeded to invent the beautiful sport of croquet, which then was somehow relegated only to posh dinner parties and afternoon tea gatherings in the Midlands. But that apparatus was then repurposed into the sport of King's Lightning, and that was polo. But then, due to the horse shortage of the 1920s, we saw the emergence of another great sport, that of cricket um i don't think i'm missing anything do you lightning (laughs) no this is a comprehensive explanation to now so continue cutters well one thing that was missing from cricket was the international 
element, right? It's a little bit mm. like the World Series baseball. Yes. Nobody else was interested in playing these Englishmen at their own game. And where do you find a rival? How can you manufacture some sort of rivalry? Well, it's pretty easy. Look to the colonies who you've thrown prisoners to for generations and say, this sport will teach it to you so that you can then beat us regularly for a 100-year period. And we'll call it the Ashes. Why will we call it the Ashes? Uh, I believe we call it the Ashes Cutters because that's what we left so many Englishmen's careers in uh, time after time after playing them. You would think that, Lightning. However, the original telegram that was sent to the colonies was a typo. It was meant to be the Bashes because you hit the ball really hard. What an infamous typo it was. And said telegram was then burnt to bury the administrative error. It was much earlier than shredders had been invented. Otherwise, we might have been playing off for the coveted electric shredder. And the ashes of that infamous typo telegram were placed in an extremely small novelty urn. I can only think for ease of transportation because back then mm. you were going by boat you know once you'd loaded those 400 liters of rum there wasn't a lot of space for an urn <laughs> so very very small miniature urn became the most sought after prize in world sport yes. and by world sport i mean english and australian niche sport lovers <laughs> certainly out of the treble of croquet polo and cricket <laughs> it's certainly the most coveted <laughs> it is. And Lightning, you mentioned a forgotten era in the chapter of the mm. cricket sporting landscape, which I failed to mention in the 1960s, where the old croquet polo cricket triathlon never really <laughs> sat well with the viewing public. Something to do with inappropriate player horse relations, but we'll leave it at that. It's an English thing. <laughs> So, Catters, I appreciate the territory you've painted for us, and that is that the mother country in England, of course, creates small colonies that in the great uprising have then come to dominate said mother country. And that has been the case since you and I were born, Catters. We grew up seeing Australia dominate England and just series after series, not only here in Australia, but at home in their own backyard. We'd go over there and it was essentially just a victory lap. We'd get there and just play games for show and then take the miniature urn home in someone's back pocket. Would often be kind of lost on the team bus and they'd have to kind of <laughs> find the ashes of bashes and, you know, collect them back up and put them back into said urn. But Catters, that was all we'd ever known growing up, was just complete domination. It was like the staff and students games of football you'd play at school, you know, and Australia was always the staff. They could pander to these little students and give them the occasional goal but whenever they wanted to dominate and create traumatic high school experiences for those students they could put the pedal to the metal and just cane those little students behinds and that was the case but cutters something that's been tragic for you and i is the empire started striking back mm. we started to see series in which england won and of course 2005, Freddie Flintoff took them to a 2-1 series win and it all started to change, Cutters. What happened? What the heck happened in our history to start seeing this equalisation of Australia and England? Well, I'll tell you what changed lightning and that was the 
South African migration slash work visa laws to England <laughs> because they managed to cherry pick the best of the colonial commoners, such as Kevin Peterson, yes. Andrew Strauss, Jonathan Trott, I believe mm -hmm. Nelson Mandela was coaxed out of retirement and <laughs> just found their way into great success as the Commonwealth All-Stars. <laughs> and the Empire did strike back indeed lightning. But if we fast forward mm. to the most recent series, which I really want to yes. focus on for obvious reasons, yes. yep. uh, we tailed them. It was in Australia and the result was... 4-0. 4-0. Out of a five-test series. Correct. Listeners who aren't familiar with the sport of cricket, you'll soon be very au fait with the lingo. Suffice to say, that was 25 days of good, solid toil for both player and viewer. Such is an Ashes series. We should mention that, Lightning. It's quite important that uh, our tennis fans, who are now rusted on cricket fans, realize that there's going to be some strategic... Sick days required over the coming weeks if they're to follow this podcast with any great sense of commitment. <laughs> Correct. Gatter's great job bringing them back up to speed because, yes, we've kind of got back to where it belongs, and that is Australia back on top for nil, trouncing England. So now it moves back to England. It alternates between Australia and the UK. We are back this week, Gatter's, in England. And, of course, the fire was stoked early when Stuart Broad, one of the main bowlers for England, came out and claimed that, yes, we'd been beaten 4-0 by Australia, but it didn't really count. It was during a COVID era. It was tough. It was challenging. It was hard work. It wasn't easy. <laughs> so it doesn't actually count. His line was, in my mind, it didn't exist. Unbelievable. So it's tense. The talk is loud. But Cutters explained to our viewers what makes this series in particular so important? Well, beyond the collective amnesia of the colonial whitewashing that's taking place, Lightning, which has got me riled up, I tell you, and trying to blame it on the pandemic, I think they even claimed that Davy Warner had munched on a bat in Southeast Asia, causing this whole thing to... <laughs> I mean, the splinters in his teeth were not a good look at the press conference, but lightning beyond all of that, what's got me riled up is this notion of Baz Ball. Baz Ball. Are you familiar with the concept? Absolutely, Cutters. And for our viewers, you're going to need to explain it because I thought we were talking cricket. Prior to that, I thought we were talking polo and other sports that you were taking us through. Now you're introducing Baz Ball. What is Baz Ball? Well, lightning, as you know, I'm a simple man with simple needs. I like my muesli in the morning, lightly toasted with low-fat milk. I like my desk clean. I like my British Prime Minister's incompetent. I don't ask for much lightning, and I like my test matches slow and laborious. I want a five-day slog that does not necessitate me to walk further from the couch than the short radius that includes the refrigerator, the toilet... And the cricket bat, so I can replay every shot in painstaking detail to communicate the right technique to those three children that I adopted just to become good cricketers. <laughs> so Bazball Lightning is two words, the first being Baz, which comes from Brendan McCullum, <laughs> which... I can only presume B-Mac was otherwise taken by a rapper, uh, but... 
The English, in their infinite wisdom, have shortened that to Baz. <laughs> Actually, Kat is Baz is the, his middle name, of course, being Barry, so hence Baz. Ah, mm. yes, great. I don't think I would be going out of my way to draw attention to a middle name like Barry, but <laughs> this is the first of a string of poor life decisions that our friend Baz has made. <laughs> Culminating in Bazball. Backtrack for a second. Brendan McCullum, his first poor life decision was to be born to a New Zealand family. Uh, <laughs> he is a Kiwi. But our old friend Baz managed to lead a phenomenal New Zealand team mm-hmm. through the zeros and teens, where a nation that is so small with such a limited talent pool, when you consider that most people have either taken up rugby or come to their senses and moved overseas to a better country. It leaves very few left to be involved in the sport of cricket. But they played great, great cricket over the years. Would you agree, Lightning? They did something that very few cricket teams were able to do, and that was they were able to be competitive. Uh, I don't believe they won matches. You know, looking at their Olympic medal tally, you can tell that they're not a high stakes kind of country. And of course, if you wanted to play cricket for New Zealand, you could because there was only 11 of them there. But being successful at it was quite impressive. So And friendly. That was such yeah. a, you know, it's such a shame that that doesn't count as a stat because oh, uh, they would have ranked through the roof on friendliness. Oh, they just lost in defeat so beautifully. You know, they just... The way they roll over in their black caps, it's just a beautiful (laughs) sight. So Baz took this losing momentum over to the motherland and said to them, hey guys, I've got a great plan. I want to replicate the failures of my past so that you can fail, but fail having fun. (laughs) And the old palms having read the tea leaves of the last 40 years, thought, we can see a pattern here, but why be depressed while doing it? So Baz came in as the big man on campus. He's kind of the lovable rogue. You know, you've seen the frat film. He had his own varsity jacket and he was bullying the smaller kids and hitting on the cheerleader and drawing attention to his lame middle name, all those things, Lightning. What he did was he said to the English team, you guys suck, but with me, You can smile while sucking. And smile while sucking became a mantra for the ECB thereafter. Uh, They all got matching tattoos, which was wonderful. And Lightning, I have one criticism to this tattoo. I don't know whether they just cheaped out on the cost of the tattoo artist, but it should have said smile while swiftly sucking because it's all about speed. They have managed to manufacture this Mickey Mouse circus form of cricket that flies in the face of what I, as a traditionalist, have enjoyed my whole lifetime. And the problem is, with all of this, the dark undertone to this is that the English, through embracing baseball, have suddenly regained success. Regain is probably the wrong phrase. That would imply that it was once there to start with. But they've found success. They've been winning cricket matches, Lightning, and they have been winning them in record time. And 
This flies in the face of what I've always enjoyed with my cricket. I mean, it is a slog. I cannot communicate enough to the new listeners what a torturous ordeal it is to sit through five days of test match cricket, watching a white team against another white team in what is a seemingly pointless eight hours a day slog where the only thing more torturous than playing the sport is watching the players play the sport. <laughs> and yet Bazball has infused this sort of joy into a pastime that I associate with <laughs> World War II Japanese torture lightning. And I just cannot for the life of me abide this. I have a feeling that this series, the stakes are so high that the future of our sport is up for grabs here. This is an mm. existential question for the sport of cricket. I myself have only bought day five tickets to test matches my whole life. I love the thrill of showing up and watching two teams of 11 men, despondent, baking in the sun, waiting for this eight-hour fifth-day ordeal to fizzle out into a meaningless draw. <laughs> Call it schadenfreude lightning, but this is what gets me up every day. To my lightly roasted muesli. I'm looking for a sponsorship deal here. I'm pretty sure we're close. If it's not that, it's chewable bats. We'll see where we go. So, Lightning, I haven't seen the sport of cricket hanging in such a precarious position since the Kiwis had the audacity to question our interpretation of the law of cricket in 1981 with the beautiful underarm delivery that took us to victory across the Tasman. Catters, I'm becoming aware that many listeners have previously known us as a tennis podcast, so some of the language that's flying around, these phrases and words, will be very confusing. I wonder if it's worth just dulling it down a bit, dumbing it down, helping our listeners understand the concepts of cricket that are so important. How about I throw you a word and explain it for us? Give us the purest version. Give us the explanation. Catters, no ball. Hmm. Well, that's an easy one, Lightning. That is referring to the supernatural act of the ball simply disappearing. <laughs> and that dates back to Australian fast bowler Fred Demon Spoffer from the turn of the century, late 1800s, who was named so due to the fact that he could literally just make the ball disappear. And they thought that he was the Antichrist. <laughs> who would have thought the Antichrist made such a deceiving fast bowler? And Catters, it's the height of irony that Spoffoff uh, had no ball. Um... <laughs> I'm pretty sure telling one to spoff off is a common term in EastEnders or whatever these British series call themselves these days. But Lightning, it's just a wonderful moment in the sport of cricket where all the players look at each other thinking, what do we do next? It's a beautiful thing. And the umpire calls no ball. Uh, they bring out some tea and cakes, and the in-house magician uh, summons it by the third session. It's also a great delay tactic, which we've seen the Pakistanis wheel out on more than one occasion. You crafty little... Allow me, Gattis. Hookshot. Oh, yeah, hookshot lightning. That's where the batter simply dispatches the ball a little bit deep of square. And it's often a shot that was associated with the famous Richie Richardson, yes. who I'm sure most of our listeners were great fans of. Mm -hmm. It helps if you can hit the hook shot 
when wearing a giant red floppy brim hat, which he used almost as a target sign to encourage the bowler to bowl short, thus enticing the hook. Cat mm, uh, a silly point. Yeah, most of your suggestions, <laughs> including that of pivoting from tennis podcast to cricket podcast, Lightning. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Uh, side screen. Side screen is something that I'm personally a fan of because I believe in public health and constant screening for blindness. And I love the fact that every so often the third umpire will come out holding one of those optometry letter kits and just checking that the batter can see what the freak is going on, often used after one of the English openers has maybe missed six or seven in a row. It rubs salt into the wounds, if you ask me, Lightning, but it's a great initiative and has also been a massive recruiting drive for blind cricket, which is also a thriving sport. (laughs) The splice, Catters. What's the splice? One of my favourite popsicles, uh, (laughs) dating back to the mid-'80s. Just that combination of tropical fruit with a creamy dairy center, it cannot be beaten. Some people say it's also part of the bat, but I refer to that part of the bat as a gay time to avoid any sort of potential confusion. Well, here we are with our first segment in this new rebranded Backhanders cricketing episode. And it's the story of two wars. And no, I'm not talking about the two world wars. I'm talking about something much more factual and consequential. I'm talking about the international cricket playing war twins, Mark and Steve. Of course, we had Steve War, ugly batsman, <laughs> ugly man, no talent whatsoever. <laughs> Yet, through will and determination, came to prominence. He captained our country and averaged over 50 runs and innings in Test cricket. Phenomenal. And then we have Mark Wall. Elegant, classic, stylish, oozing with talent, yet averaging 41 in Test cricket. I mean, you and I could average 41 in Test cricket, Catters. (laughs) So we have a war twin who by virtue of the great Aussie spirit of battling and maximising and punching above their weight and having more success than they were entitled to with a forehead of that size, is Steve (laughs) Waugh. Captain Courageous, he is our war hero. And then the overly talented but drastically underperforming, match-fixing twin brother Mark (laughs) for his criminal waste of talent we have our war criminal. So war hero or war criminal catters, I invite you to offer one in each category so we can start learning about some of the characters who are going to feature in this upcoming Ashes series. Yeah, Lightning, great explanation, great segment, if I do say so myself. Uh, For those (laughs) listeners that aren't quite familiar with the wars, even after that extremely detailed and overly long intro of yours... (laughs) I would just suggest, imagine twins, Steve Waugh was Danny DeVito, Junior, Arnold Schwarzenegger, that's all you need to know. And for my Danny DeVito, my favourite little Pokemon, today it is none other than Davey Warner. David Warner, part-time cricketer, full-time nice guy. (laughs) 
I think we can all agree what he lacks in form, he makes up for in character lightning. And I feel he's unfairly come into question on the eve of this test series lightning. I don't know if it's something to do with the fact that he is the physical incarnation of Stuart Broad's bunny. Uh, I believe he (laughs) was asked by his fellow teammates to wear a bunny suit just to make it easier to isolate him and his complete absence of form from the rest of the team out of fear that it might be contagious. But he's coming in with about an average of, what, three or four against Stuart Broad at the moment? And about three or four KOs in the local English pubs per tour. So this guy, for people who don't know him, he has a fair rap sheet. I mean, first of all, good cricketer, solid cricketer, made the transition from the Mickey Mouse 2020 into Test Cricket. What is the difference, Lightning, these days? Due to Bazball. But Lightning, he made that transition. He did it well. He beat up on Pakistan a few times with some triple centuries just to punch up the stats. But the problem has been that our Davy has a penchant for the aggro. And that's something that I think makes him my tug-of-war, my war hero. Mm. The fact that he brings it every single time. What he lacks for in concentration, he makes up for in, oh, look, there's a player called Quentin de Kock. Let's make fun of him. (laughs) And someone has to, Lightning. Someone has to take the initiative. If you're playing a de Kock, you can't let that go through to de Keeper. So again, for our tennis fans, just imagine if Mike Tyson and Russell Crowe had a love child who didn't quite have access to what we would call traditional education. That's our Davey Warner. He was involved in one of the greatest scandals, which I will dive into at another stage, involving sandpaper. But again, being the war hero he is, I like to treat the glasses half full in that situation, Mm. lightning. You prefer to look on the smooth side of the sandpaper. (laughs) Exactly, Lightning. There's a little thing called ball tampering. And as every Australian has peddled out this line for the last five, six years, everyone does it. (laughs) Which Aussie male isn't a ball tamperer? I mean, really. Davey Warner isn't because he's smart enough to get the young guys in the team to do it for him. And that (laughs) spirit of delegation has always stamped leadership all over that man's forehead for me. And what I like about Davey in the (laughs) aftermath of what was a massive national shitstorm, I cannot for one moment Mm. express to the international listeners what drama Mm. followed this situation on Australian soil, and Davey, he just sat back and pleaded the fifth. (laughs) And uh, I'm not referring to the Fifth Amendment. I'm referring to the grade he reached in primary school before pursuing a career in sport. (laughs) So for his ability to overcome adversity and open the batting for Australia this series with an average of four or five, I say, Davey Warner, you are my war hero. 
Well, a solid argument, Catters, and your war criminal. My war criminal, Lightning, will be a surprise to many because he has been the golden boy of the cricketing world the last couple of years, and that is Pat Cummins. Whoa. Paddy Cummins, yes. That's our Captain Catters, our skipper. I know he is, and he has a lot to learn, Lightning, so just sit back and take some notes here. My biggest gripe with Pat Cummins is, in some ways, he lacks what Davey Warner has, and that is a bit of mongrel. Mm. Call me old-fashioned lightning, but I like my captains angry, (laughs) ungrateful, and with just a beer-guzzling mustache from the 80s. (laughs) Alan Border, that's my type of man, a man's man, lightning. Captained over 90 test matches for Australia. Mm. No matter how many times you'd played with him in that squad, you were piss scared of him come day one. Oh, yeah. The toss of the coin, he would come back to the change rooms, give you an earful for the fact that, you know. That you had a head and that it came up tails. (laughs) (laughs) If only Davey Warner was in the dressing rooms with his bunny suit on, he could have said, oh, well, someone has a tail. (laughs) There always needed to be a fall guy in these situations, Lightning. And it was pre-bunny suit, so everyone (laughs) copped it. He was just a machine gun of vitriol, and I loved every minute of it. And then he was succeeded by Mark Taylor, who many thought was easygoing, tubby. Mm. What he lacked for in mustache, he made up for in excessive beer gut. And I liked the guy. He was a straight shooter. He probably wasn't as angry as he needed to be. Mm. But again, you just knew where you had him, Lightning. At the end of the day... You could have a serious one-to-one chat with him about tactics and which model of Fujitsu he was selling out of his car boot that particular afternoon. Fast forward to 2023, and we have this kind of metrosexual, TikToker, latte-sipping, whimsical Pat Cummins. You know, has morals, has ethics, thinks about the planet and sustainability and the fact that we want to play test cricket beyond the great global bushfire of 2025. I don't need this forward thinking. I need a guy who will go in, grow some facial hair and stare down the opposition with nothing but disdain. We saw with Mark Waugh that he didn't have fangs and that was largely due to the fact that he chewed so much gum in the slip region that he had only gums remaining. And I'm fearing that this lackadaisical attitude has caught on to the new generation led by Pat Cummins' lightning. Mm. So I'm just going to put him on notice as my war criminal. Let's not blow things out of proportion just quite yet. So lightning, at the risk of mixing more metaphors, who is your Mary-Kate and who is your Ashley? (laughs) Well, you know I've always been... More of a Mary Kate man. Yes. Uh, it never feels fair to split the twins, but we are going to do it on this occasion. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do something a little bit different for mine, Cutters. I'm going to choose a couple of English players, a couple I'd like to feature as we near the start of this Ashes series. But mm. before I name my war criminal and my war hero, I just I just need to let some steam off. Got to get something off my chest. I've always found English players weird. <laughs> And it's not because of their heritage or where they live or their dental records. It's just, it's predominantly because of their names. I just, oh, yes. when you look through English cricket teams, you just, 
I just can't help but feel, Gutters, as though they're taking the piss. I mean, surely most of them are fictitious characters or, or, or completely fabricated. It's, it's totally ridiculous to me. I mean, recently looked over the team sheet and in the one side, Stokes, Folks, Wokes. I mean, seriously, I mean, it sounds like a Dr. Zeus story. Stokes and folks and wokes. Who are these blokes? Are they just jokes? It's, it is absolutely ridiculous, Curtis. But it doesn't stop there. Then they had same team. They had a willy, a wood, and a root. It just they're just they it's mockery, Cutters. It's absolute mockery. And then currently, as we'll see in the series, we're about to have the opening batsman. It's Duckett. What? Because leave it and block it were unavailable. And shouldering arms was out injured. I mean, seriously, an opening batsman duck it. It's absolutely ridiculous, Cutters. They're inventing names. I mean, let's be honest. These are not real. I mean, they're not. They're not real cricketers. They're not real people, Cutters. They're not real names. It's ridiculous. No, it's true. Lightning. I can only imagine that this is the result of all the sub editors from the major tabloids just needing punnable names to sustain the material during the series. <laughs> so I'll see your wokes and raise you a folks. Rooted, ah, duck it. I mean, this just lends itself to headlines, Lightning. And I share your position here. I've always been suspicious since Ian Bottom. Let's face it, that's his name. Don't try. Okay, sorry, Sir Ian Bottom. Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> It's always felt as though they were making a mockery. It, it, it's just, it's got to be serving some other purpose. For me, it almost sounds like like it's a mob boss, you know, describing his cronies. We got ourselves an archer and our number three man. We call him the Pope. And if someone asks, the butler did it. Oh, yeah. And we got ourselves abroad. I mean, it writes itself, Gatters. But, alas, a slight diversion from my war hero and my war criminal. Oh, these aren't war criminals, Lightning. Every last one of them. (laughs) But allow me to try and find a hero amongst all these criminals. How are we the convicts in this scenario? I (laughs) I know. Well, I mean, this is just the great irony, is it not? (laughs) But like you, you mentioned the, the ABs, the Mark Taylors. Yet, yet I can look over at the English camp, and I like my English captains like, like Pommy Graham Gooch, the most English of Englishmen, mm. the Nasser Husseins, the Michael Athertons, you know, the, the stiff upper lip types who like to check their monocle between deliveries and have Alfred <laughs> the butler deliver a handkerchief to, to wipe their brow between overs. They are the captains that I want to see. Mm. But... Amongst this picture, in walks this tattooing, lumberjacking, big, strong, courageous... Ginger. Yes, yes, hot-headed. For our listeners, it's essentially Ed Sheeran on the roids. It is. I'm referring to... I should drop the name in here, Cutters. I'm referring to Ben Stokes, of course. I mean, he yes. he is the new breed of Englishman, Cutters, because, mm. well, I mean, he's not afraid. He's this massive, strong, fearless, and therefore he's essentially he's un-English. And that's what's been so impressive about this bloke. He's broken the template. He doesn't look like any other English captain we've ever seen. And I think that's why I love him. He, he somehow 
Well, he somehow made red hair cool. <laughs> I mean, he is an amazing player. I, I, let's not go that far, Lightning. And let's also <laughs> just fact check you for a moment here. He is a Kiwi. He's raised in New Zealand. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. They still have not been able to manufacture out of their 65 plus million population <laughs> someone who can stand up to the colonial commoners. Well, I suppose you do what you would have to do when you've been as low as English have. So well, props to them. So he's my war hero, and we look forward to seeing what he does this series. Of course, he's a man who's given us no shortage of nightmares over the journey. I can only think of Headingley when he won a match, essentially unwinnable, when he rolled out and pretty much just played blindfolded for an inning. So he is one to watch this mm. Ashes series, Catters. My war criminal is, well, I could pluck anyone. I mean, <laughs> let me just pluck one at random. Jimmy Anderson. I mean, <laughs> where do I start with this bloke? He is hard to watch. I mean, he and Stuart Broad, those two have just broken the record for the most amount of test wickets taken as a bowling partnership, which overtakes Shane Warne and Glenn McGrath. So oh. the new Warne and McGrath is Broad and Anderson. I don't know how that sits with you, Cutters, but as far as I'm concerned, well, that's just not cricket. Hmm. Sure. Cricket statistics may well disagree with me there, but I stand by my word. This bloke, Cutters, is 24 wickets away from overtaking Shane Warne outright. I mean, I, the idea of Jimmy Anderson having more test wickets than Shane Warne, it's just ridiculous. And it pains me, Cutters, because most of those wickets, they've come in England. I mean, any of us could have taken wickets in those conditions, Cutters. I mean, sure, you might have needed to have been taught to try and reach the batsman in only one bounce. But but anyone can take wickets in England. I mean, the conditions are made for it. They're conducive. The ball swings around everywhere. It moves off the pitch. It darts in and out. And what irks me the most, for our tennis fans out there listening, is that the English, they use a different ball. Yes. Every other cricketing playing nation in the world uses a different ball, yeah. whereas the English, they use this juke ball, which swings more in the air and lasts longer. Well, of course, you're going to have more wickets. Yeah, it's actually a square for those listeners who aren't familiar. <laughs> Such is the difference there. I 100% agree, Lightning. It is an absolute farce. I mean, the fact that the English have pointed the finger at us as serial ball tamperers, I mean, exactly. they have literally created their own microclimate to facilitate the greatest of natural ball tampering, which is mm. the ball itself being engineered in a lab <laughs> to ensure <laughs> maximum effect against Australian bunnies. Exactly. Although it does help give me a sense of how those croquet players must have felt when the whole polo crew rolled in and started fanging around the courses on horses whilst they were still trying to just gently tap it around with their sticks. Exactly, Lightning. So where do we go from here? Because we've established their cheats and we've established that Jimmy Anderson has benefited greatly from this mm. institutional rigging of the system. Mm. So do we dock him half his uh. wickets? Do we negotiate him down to what we think is a fair record because oh. I ain't having it that he overtakes our Shane Warne using these Incredibles that they're dishing up. Well, it's an asterisk besides two out of three wickets cutters. Yes. On the honour board at Lord's, I'd like to see every one of his wickets up there, up on the placards and just, yep. just going through. Red pen, red pen, take that one off, strike that one. That's how it's got to be. 
Well, I'd go one better, and I say he has to dress as Asterix for the entire series. And, <laughs> of course, we haven't seen this sort of thing since Intamamal Huck donned the old Oblix uniform in the 92 World Cup. <laughs> I actually England? think England, yeah. Really? Because I, I think they will be very settled. And Anderson and Broad running in with their... Zimmer frames. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I do find myself so amusing. Cutter's LBO. You might previously have heard it referring to last ball of the over. Mm. Well, here it's the last backhander's opinion as we sum up this episode and head towards what is the most hotly anticipated Ashes series in memory. I just have so many questions, Cutter's. Can Bazball hold up against the best bowling in the world? Can the Aussies learn to face these crazy biochemically engineered balls that mysteriously move around in the air? Can Warner, or will Warner, raise his bat when he makes double figures against England? (laughs) Will Smith have discovered some new kind of fencing or kung fu moves he can use as new ways to exotically leave the ball? Can can Mitchell Stark stay in the top two cricketers in his relationship? Can <laughs> Hazelwood get on the park? Or are we left calling him Hazelwood coulda shoulda? I mean, there's catters. There are so many questions. It's just, it's going to be absolutely exciting. I just can't wait. So to help you listeners, particularly our tennis fans, I want to give you a bit of context so you can kind of get a sense of the lead up, uh, the run up to this series. England, well, they have just recently beaten Ireland in a one-off kind of warm-up match. I'm not sure if you'd call it a warm-up match or a publicly broadcast beating. It was absolutely (laughs) ridiculous where Ireland, who would struggle to keep up with England at the best of times, their best players opted out of playing the series just to show how important it was. They were trounced by almost an innings. It was an absolute farce. So what a warm-up for the English, whereas Australia... They thought they'd just warm up by taking down India comprehensively in the final of the World Test Championships, proving they're the best uh, current test nation in the world. Uh, So, you know, slightly different lead-ups to this match, and I just loved it, Kat, as I loved the the royal two-finger salute to the mother country when, of course, in their own backyard, they they win this series and are given a scepter or a giant kind of mace. I just love the idea that a a couple of Aussies must have looted the throne room before (laughs) King Charlie had a chance to get his new security detail in place. So Mm. there you go, an impressive effort. And already uh, Australia won England naught early blows exchange. So Catters, in terms of, of what we're in for, some things to note, that England, they have been red hot. They have been absolutely dominant, taking all before them of late, but... They haven't stolen any scepters yet, so worth remembering that. (laughs) Australia, well, they are looking to win their first series on English soil since 2001. Whereas England, well, they're just hoping to not soil themselves. So (laughs) it's all set up. It is perfectly aligned. Here we are. We are ready to see Bazball versus the World Test Champions. So... 
Listeners, it's time for us to leave you, but know that, well, for this series, The Backhanders, we intend to check in after each test to review the previous and look forward to the upcoming, so you'll hear from us a fair bit throughout this series, but we'd encourage you to come on the journey with us. Visit us through our socials, through Instagram, through Facebook, with our handle, The Backhanders. Uh, We'd love you to be along, but something we have noticed is we've previously been a tennis podcast and there is nothing in our name that has the word cricket in it uh, and we have not yet been known as a cricket podcast and only as a tennis podcast. So it is incumbent upon you, our listeners, to spread the word, to let people know what we're up to and if you've enjoyed it, to share the love, spread the word and, and let people jump on board for this exciting Ashes series. Lightning, just on that, don't worry, mate. I've got it under control. I've taken the initiative to rebadge this episode and this new micro-series within a series within a series. (laughs) This is some Inception shit going on right now. I know your brain can't wrap your head around the Matrix, Mm. but trust me, there will be an outro that just fixes all of this stuff. It'll be perfectly clear. I'm on it. Well, excellent. We look forward to that, Cutters. And we look forward to you, our listeners, joining us for our next Test Cricket edition of The Backhanders. Thanks for listening to The Backfooters. The Backchatters. The Box Handlers. The Ball Tamperers. Thanks for listening to The Bat Munchers. I think we have a winner. I think I'll just take the initiative there.